0: So, this, summer, uh, this morning we're doing things a, a little bit differently, as you can tell from the difference of our stage. But if you don't know her, this is my wife, Brooke Bear. Say hi, Brooke. Hi. And Brooke and I are going to just open up the morning to inviting you guys to ask us anything that you want to know about the Bible, about faith, about love or our marriage, um, about. Just our walk with the Lord, it's an opportunity you can use it to get to know us a little better as your pastor and your girl's pastor. Or just if you've had questions about any of the sermons we've given this year or something you heard in small groups that you just later on were like, I just didn't really understand that. You guys can ask us anything you want. And we're going to do that by using the cards and the pens underneath your seats. And I want you to go ahead and grab those things real fast. And um, I want you to write out in just a minute any question that you might have about those things God the Bible faith or love and Brooke and I don't sit up here pretending to be experts on any of those things so if we know the answer we'll give it to you and if we don't we'll tell you and um, if we kind of do maybe we'll figure it out together and we haven't really prepared anything for this morning so if this morning is not very exciting it's because you didn't ask us very good questions it's all on you but I want you guys to just um, take a moment, I'm going to pray for us, but just open your mind to what the Lord would have you ask. Um, we've had we got a lot of experience between the two of us, and we just want to be vulnerable with you guys, so um, you can ask an easy question or a hard question, and we'll do our best, and we probably won't get to all of them, but we're going to get to some. So, let's bow our heads real fast. And Jesus, we just want to give you these next few minutes, and we open ourselves up to you. And... So often we're asking for things and not listening. Right right now we're going to listen. Would you give me, would you give us the questions that you want to ask? Would you stir our hearts and minds for what you want us to talk about together, collectively, this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, go ahead and take a couple minutes. Anything you want to know about the Bible, faith, love, the Lord? Write down your questions, and we're going to have the interns collect them in just a few minutes. So take your time. Write legibly. Should we play like a song or something, or do you want to talk while we wait?
1: I don't know. I just realized that I'm really glad that I shaved my legs, because there was a chance I hadn't. Me too.
0: (laughs) So Dwight, why don't you give us some like question-writing music? I don't care what it is. It can be. Like Jeopardy? Alex Trebek is where I was going. Yeah. Yeah, some Jeopardy would be good, but whatever you got, it's not gonna be Jeopardy. Raise your hand if you already have some questions ready just so I can get a feel for the room. 1 2 All right. I'm just going to go ahead and start and then you guys can keep writing and the interns will come down and collect them in just a minute or three. Hi.
1: Hi. What's your name? Allison. Hi
0: Allison. Say hi Allison.
1: Hi Allison.
0: Give me a question going to take it up here where we can think UK, about.
1: Okay, with well, us knowing it was your question?
0: Yeah. Okay. You don't have to put your name on them if you're like, I want to ask a question about my dad, but I you know, it can be anonymous. But Allison, thanks for being brave, girl. Allison's question, how long have y'all been married?
1: <laughs>
0: Easy question. You, you can go first.
1: In February, it was 11 years. So Justin was 30 and I was 21. And uh, we had known each other for six weeks. But the Lord brought us together, and um, Justin led me to the Lord, which is um, a really cool thing for us, I think, because um, he's always been, like, the leader for me in that way. And we got married on a ranch with horses, and they I've like been a Texan ever since, really, yeah. So Anything that's Anything else us. you want to say about that? No.
0: All right. You? I'm good.
1: The first year wasn't so good. Year and a half. Year and a half. (laughs) It got better.
0: Okay. Um, Interns, why don't you guys just kind of make your way around the room, and maybe not everybody's ready, but just uh, if you have a question, go ahead and pass it to the middle of your row, and then Mason's going to go ahead and start collecting them, and then you can write questions down as we go. So... I did see a hand over here of somebody that... Who's, anybody on the front have one that we can ask while we wait? You got one? All right. Second question. How did you guys meet each other and fall in love? You knew that was coming. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go. Um, my sister and her husband were uh, living in California, and he is a um, military guy. He's a Marine specifically. And... As a Marine, he got deployed to different places and different bases over the course of their marriage, and every time they redeployed to a different city that was stateside, I would go and visit them and spend a week with them. And so they were deployed in a town called Monterey, California, and I went to visit them, and we were there for a week together, just hanging out, and at the end of that week, my last day in town, um, before I left the next day, I went to, we, we went to a little community called Carmel, California. It's one of the prettiest places on the planet and we spent the day there. And the last shop that we went into, my last hour before was going to bed and then out of there, was this little niche art gallery. And stuff in there was like thousands of dollars a piece. And I had no business going in there because I couldn't afford like a business card from there at the time. But I went in there and there was only, I think there was only one person in the shop and it was this beautiful young woman that was working behind the desk. And I had gone in there, um, I just felt like I was supposed to and I can't really explain it, but once I got in there, being like an amateur photographer at the time, I wanted to take a picture of one of the pieces of art and, but it was right next to where she was sitting and I was like, I hope this is okay and I was like, can I take a picture of this piece of art? And she's like, no, no, you cannot.
1: It was the one piece. We had hundreds of pieces of artwork. The only one that legally he was not allowed to take a picture of. Yeah. And that's the one he asked.
0: And I did take a picture of it before I left because I'm super sneaky. But um, she shut me down and I was like, what's up with this like art Nazi? And so I started walking around the the shop, but I like, I didn't really want to look at anything. And I didn't even really know why I wanted to go in there. But the way that she had shut me down and being able to take that picture had really captured my attention. And so I'm walking around the shop and all I really want to do is go and talk to the pretty girl at front. So I did, and we had about a five minute conversation. And-
1: And I'm really good at what I do. So when I sell art, it's like a captivating experience.
0: Yeah, I was captivated. I was good.
1: And I then- sold him.
0: I, about five minutes later, that's about all we talked, my sister and her husband came in and were like, hey, it's time to go, and so we left. And I'd gotten a business card from the shop, but I didn't remember Brooke's name. Um, I didn't really get to learn a whole lot about her. We just had this five minute exchange where we talked about the two very particular pieces of art. And she was really, like during that conversation, like re-educating me on like hope and love, even though she wasn't a believer at the time. And we got in the car, and my sister was like, I think she liked you. And I was like, yeah, but I live in Texas. This is California. Like, there's, there's no way. Well, there was a way, because about six weeks later, we married each other in Texas. i like to skip the middle.
1: Yes. Well, uh, and what's cool about the middle, though, is that we spent a lot of time writing emails to each other um, and talking on the phone for, like, hours on end, and... Um, there's, a, there's one question in here, so I'll answer it now. Is you know, How did you know that you were in love? Um, it's because we talked about everything. We shared like the best and the worst. We shared our hopes and our fears. Um, and the love just grew and grew and grew. And we spent time pursuing the Lord together. Um, and so I sort of fell in love with... God, as I was falling in love with Justin. Yeah. And um, how did you know that you were in love?
0: Well, I want to say something about what you just referred to. So we shared the best and the worst about each other. Who who has something that they just hope nobody ever finds out in their life? Right? All of us. Um, Brooke and I are getting to know each other on the phone. We'd only spent five minutes together, but we're talking on the phone night after night, hours and hours. How much was your cell phone bill that month?
1: It was like $1,100.
0: Yeah, we went way over our minutes. And um, what I loved was that I started telling her things that I'd never told another human being. And each one, I was like scared that she was going to bolt. But I wanted her to know everything. And at each turn, when I shared something just deep and dark and secret about myself, she received it. She affirmed me in it. She said it's okay. Um, She helped me understand some of my pain. And um, that's the way it is with Jesus. There are things that stand between us and people, and us and the Lord, but if you can just get real and honest with people, if you can share all your hurt with Jesus, the walls just come crashing down. If you're like, I don't really feel like I have a relation with Jesus, I would challenge you. Maybe there's something that he wants you guys to talk about, and that's what's standing in the way. But yeah, we, I think that was one of the things that made me fall in love with Brooke the most, was the fact that I could tell her anything, and she was okay with it. And that Brooke, more than any other human being that I have ever known in my 41 years of existence, will always tell the truth. And that's the most important thing to me in any relationship is honesty and trustworthiness. And that's what made me fall the most in love with her, aside from the fact that she's really pretty. So,
1: Aww. I got one. <laughs> um,
0: do you have another question?
1: One, well, I knew I was in love. Um because I had dreamt my whole life, I had a a difficult childhood, and I had dreamt my whole life of being swept off my feet. And, um, like, I would even have, like, daydreams that someone would, like, come into school and be like, it's okay, we're leaving, we'll never come back here again. And um, that's sort of what happened with Justin. Um, He came in, and he was like, hey, man, like... I love God, and God loves you, and, and then it was like, I love you too, and because Justin loved me, I was able to believe that God could love me, um, and I just was swept away. What do you got? Okay. Um, sorry, hold on a second. Read that one.
0: I'm going to read this. Is the Bible exaggerated? I got into a talk with my brother yesterday that God made humans, and he says the Bible is a group of stories, and he said that Genesis is probably not true because no one was alive back then. Interesting. So, is the Bible exaggerated? No, it's not. Um, Every word of the Bible is true and reliable. There are a lot of old texts in the world. There's stuff that was written thousands and thousands of years ago. There is not a single old text or texts that is more um, studied, documented, um, affirmed than the Bible, all the books of the Bible. I mean, they keep accurate records. You can go to the Vatican you can go to old, old churches that have records where they've got the Dead Sea Scrolls and other documents that are thousands of years old, and they are in, at the heart of this, the words and the difference of language, they're the same then, what was written down, as they are today. And what's really cool is that sometimes you see on the news that they discovered like a new little cave somewhere in Syria with some ancient texts, and sometimes there's scripture in there and nobody knew that that was there, and maybe they found a similar text in some other country, but they find these documents, and they're still finding them all the time today. And it's scripture, it's it's the Bible, it's the book of Amos or Genesis, and what they find is exactly accurate according to this one found over here in this other country a thousand years before or after. Um, you can say a lot about apologetics, about like, just looking at the word and, and defining like, what it is and who wrote it and authenticity. And there's historical documents that aren't scripture and all of it lines up and is true. The Bible has and can, will continue to stand the test of time. Um, so yes, the Bible's not exaggerated, and I think Brooke has some good stuff to say about this, because she studies this quite a
1: bit. Well, and even though the Bible's not exaggerated, people can exaggerate it. You have to, um, consider it in context. You have to look at the time it was written, uh, who the audience was, what was the message God was delivering at that time, where does that fit in within the story of redemption, um. Because people can focus in on certain things and make it a really big deal when that's not the point at all.
0: And you need to take into the account the fact that I'm I'm just a human being, you know, um, just like all of you guys. And so there's stuff in the Bible that people have been studying for thousands of years, but we just will not understand fully what it's talking about until we get to heaven. There's passages in Revelation, the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible that talks, is a lot of um, scenes in heaven. It's a lot of high and lofty and symbolic um, descriptions of the end times, but then there's like some straight up like, this is exactly what's going to happen, but we just won't understand it until we get to heaven. Speaking of Genesis, right? How many days did it take God to create the earth? seven, uh, six. And he rested on the uh-huh. seventh. But is that literally talking about a day, 24 hours, or is it more in the context of the scripture that says a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day? I don't know. And I can argue with somebody about that and I can argue long and hard on my opinion, but is that really worth arguing about? Because does it really matter? If it was exactly seven days or something we don't fully understand until we get to heaven, because you're right, I wasn't there. Moses wrote Genesis, right?
1: That's what we think.
0: That's what we think. But he wasn't there. It was just what God shared with him. So I don't know for certain if it was six days plus one and it was 24-hour periods of time. I'm kind of inclined to think it was because he's God and he can do anything. But that's not really worth arguing about. The only thing I want to argue about is Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died on a cross to rescue me from my sins, and he was resurrected on the third day. I'll argue that until I'm dead. But there are some things in the Bible that are just like, I don't know. And there might be some questions in this pile that I'm like, I don't know. And it's okay. Uh, There's a beautiful mystery to the Bible, just like in Ephesians 4, it talks about there's a beautiful mystery to marriage, or Ephesians 6.
1: So something that's super cool, though, about like when God created the world like science today is proving that that is how things happened like that is the order that things happened in um and i love that like sometimes people will go into science and they'll feel scared that it's going to contradict their beliefs um and there may be things at first that challenge you but the deeper you go the more you will see god in science um not all science is true though you have to remember that There's a lot of theories out there. Um, But yeah, I think that you can study Genesis and it will hold up.
0: Yeah, the smarter we get and the more sound our math, and so therefore the more sound our science, the more scientists are like, dude, that old book that was written, you know, thousands of years, they really know what they're talking about. And God says in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, All you have to do to know that there's a creator, that there's a God, is to go outside and look at the sky, look at the earth, look at the bugs, look at the harmony with which the world was made. He is daring us as humans and scientists of look at how things work and tell me that that wasn't created and put together. So, good question. (laughs) Do you ever get to a point where you are satisfied with your relationship with God... Or does it always feel like you could do better? Wow. That's a great question. Um, I don't know how to answer that. That's really good. Do you ever get to a point where you are satisfied with your relationship with God? Or does it always feel like you could do better? Want I, want, I want
1: to answer that. I want to start. Um, so I, I want to address this in a couple different ways you will never be satisfied in like the literal sense um, because that's not actually being satisfied. It would be complacency. It would be that you're fine with how it is and with the problems that there still are because we will never be perfect. Um, we are meant to be pursuing God like daily, all the time, and, until we go to heaven. Um, but you will get to a point where you trust him enough that you can rest. So you won't be satisfied, but you can rest in God. And you might um, like wrestle with questions and decisions, but your faith in him and in his goodness and in who you are to him, you will be content in that. Um, And then a part of the question it says, does it always feel like you could do better? Eventually, it won't feel like something that you are having to do to get better at. It'll be um, like receiving God's love and responding to God's love. It won't be a striving. Um, it takes a, a while to get there. And I think it takes going through a lot uh, with God, a lot of hardship, a lot of pain, um, so that you can learn that God is good in it all.
0: Mm. I would add to that, regarding that last part, does it always feel like you could do better? I mean, nobody in this room is perfect. Um, You could take Mother Teresa, the current Pope, you know, pick your person that you're like, that's an amazing person. They're so far from perfect, it's, it's ridiculous. But what I love is that God gave us a tool so that we can feel content in our relationship with him and our inadequacies, and that's called grace. That's called forgiveness. Um, I mess up every day. I make mistakes all the time. And God has given me this tool of, at any point of any day, I can just quietly, to myself and the Lord, just say, forgive me for that. And knowing who, who God is, knowing that he is the father of forgiveness and grace, and that as soon as you ask, forgiveness happens, that Jesus paid the price, if you can just own that stuff and acknowledge it and just give it to the Lord on a continual basis, it doesn't just start piling up and you don't feel all burdened. You can just receive God's grace as you go. Who, who sinned this week, right? Oh, there, my people, right? Me too. And the beautiful thing is if you haven't yet, you can right now just say, God, I know I messed up on Tuesday. I, I know I said something that hurt so-and-so on Wednesday, would you forgive me for that? And boom, he's like, you got it. I forgive you. I don't hold it against you. Now you don't hold it against you. God is not sitting ups- upstairs with a checklist, writing down every bad thing you say. We shouldn't do that about ourselves either.
1: I saw a meme the other day and it said, let's make better mistakes tomorrow. (laughs) Right? And that's how it feels sometimes. I mean, you will make mistakes. Um, God's just like, just own it. Come to me in truth. You're good.
0: Yeah. And you look at the people in the Bible, you look at Paul and Peter and these great mountains of faith, those dudes messed up all the time, even after they were saved. Um, I take great encouragement from that. I mean, we're talking about jesus christ faith in a god who saves and you look at the bible and it's just littered with sinners and mistake makers and our own god when he came to earth this supreme being right he was killed and it just doesn't make any sense without grace without understanding that like god has you so just receive that grace ask for it and he'll give it anything else new question no question purgatory what is it Purgatory. You guys know that word? I'm going to defer to Brooke Bear because she grew up Catholic.
1: Sort of, yeah. Sort
0: of. And I'm going to use my laptop to pull up a resource.
1: So purgatory isn't something that we really preach in um, the Protestant church. It's something that's more Catholic. The actual, like, word purgatory isn't in the Bible. Um, Sheol. They call Sheol pur- Purgatory. So, okay. Well, basically, this is how death works according to what I've studied through the word. Um, before Jesus, when people died, they went to a place called Sheol. And Sheol was um, sort of divided into two places, um, the place for, like, the bad and then the place for the good, um, But it was a place of death, and it's specifically noted as a place where there's no worship of God. Um, But the people who were good will have rest there, whereas the people who are not good don't experience rest while they're there. Um, After Jesus, um, he went down. So when, when Jesus was dead, he went to Sheol, and he took all of those people who were trapped in death, but who loved him, who loved God, took him up to heaven with him. And so, go ahead.
0: Let's hit pause on that. Do you guys know that that happened? While Jesus was in the tomb, he's dead, right? In spirit, in his spiritual body, he he wasn't just like sleeping. He wasn't just hanging out in the tomb until the third day. Like he was doing stuff. He went down to this place called Sheol, and he witnessed to them. He shared his message of all of you people that, are, that have died on earth, that are here in Sheol, I have a message for you. Just because you died before I came doesn't mean that you don't get an opportunity to come with me to heaven. I am the savior, I am the Messiah, and if you believe in me today, let's all go to heaven right now. And all those souls that have been waiting for that said, yes, and there were some that said no but then he took them up to heaven. These people died before Jesus got to go to heaven. I think that's just incredible. I think that's just a testament to how awesome God is.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, totally. I mean, and, and so the people who didn't go were the ones that chose not to go. They said, no, thank you. Um, and so now for those of us that believe, we go straight to heaven and that's where we will be until God makes the, the new earth. Um, and the people who don't, they go to Sheol still. They go into and, and, and death. Um, when Jesus comes back and it's like the big end times and you know this world is destroyed, he will also destroy death. So there won't be any more going there. Um, it will just be Lake of fire. Life. Oh, yeah, yeah, those people will go to the lake of fire.
0: So to, to clarify but I've already lost what I was going to say.
1: Am I being confusing?
0: Come on, brain. No, I don't think so, but maybe. Um, there's writings in some of the Pauline letters, some of the letters that Paul wrote, and then Brooke referenced it too, but like when you die, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you said, I believe you were God and you died for my sins, when you die, immediately you go to heaven. That's, that's what I believe. It's a mystery because I haven't died yet, and I don't know, but that's what I believe. And Paul wrote it a couple times where it was like, you go straight to heaven. And if you don't believe you go to, you go to the place of death. Right. And then at the end times, when, when Jesus comes back and establishes, like he does away with the old heaven and the old earth, and then he pronounces his new kingdom. And there's a lot of mystery there too. Um, but it says that death will be done away with. And so the people that still, they'll still be people when Jesus comes back in the clouds and like everything in Revelation will come true. And they're like, there it is, there it is, there it is. All these prophecies, there will still be people that are like, I don't want it, I hate God. And those people will go to hell. And then everyone else will live with Jesus in this new heaven and new earth which um, I'm thinking like 90% we're going to do a teaching series on the book of Revelation in the fall, but there's so much amazing stuff that's going to take place in heaven, and there's so much happening in the world right now that is in the book of Revelation, and it's happening all around us, and we don't know, know not it. Not so that we're,
1: gonna... we're saying that like, the world's going to end right now. But it we're not. No, we're not saying that. But it We're could. not saying that.
0: We're not saying it. All right. Next question. Okay.
1: Great.
0: What is your worst hardship? Like, what's your greatest struggle, I'm guessing? What's, what's the thing you wrestle with most? Me. Brooke.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you want to help me out? I don't know. And this is for both of us.
1: If, I mean, if it's like a sin issue? Yeah. Selfishness? Me or you? You. Thanks.
0: (laughs) I I do not disagree with that. I'm very selfish. I'm very selfish with my time. Um, I make a lot of excuses to do what I want to do, whether that's working on photographs when I should be spending time with my family, whether that's working on my sermon on my Sabbath day when I should be spending time with my family. And I tell myself, well, I'm doing it for the students and the Lord, but... My first ministry is to Brooke and the kids, and in that order, not to the kids and then Brooke.
1: Me, me, yeah, me. Well, it's all about you. <laughs>
0: so selfishness, and a lot of things come out of that. I mean, they say pride is the root of so many of our sins. What about you?
1: Um, so I think mine is fear. I was going to say fear. Yeah, I, uh, most of my sins are because I'm afraid. Like, I, res- I don't necessarily respond in faith to the Lord, but I'll act out of fear. Um, and my mind can sometimes be completely held captive by fear. So.
0: What do you do in those instances?
1: It depends. Sometimes I get so overwhelmed that I like, almost fall asleep sitting up. Like, I, I could just fall asleep.
0: Brooke Bear's fear response, like, if there was a bear trying to get into the cabin to kill you, based on this fear response, Brooke would just be like, all right, I'm just going to go to sleep now. Just lay yeah. down and go to bed. Just
1: lay down, gone. I'm a, I'll be asleep immediately.
0: Selfishly, I would kill the bear and make a blanket for myself, and nobody else could use it.
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: You don't know. Go for the eyes.
1: But yeah, I miss out on opportunities sometimes where I feel like God is like, this would be the right thing to do. And I'm like, I'm too scared, sorry. Um, yeah.
0: Saw so it this weekend.
1: This weekend? I got too scared to do something?
0: A little bit. In a good way. Maybe not. I redact that.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I think I was smart this weekend.
0: I do too, but there was still some fear. We had tough stuff happen this weekend. Can humans find the Garden of Eden? It's a very interesting question, right? It was a, it's an actual place. There's rivers that were in the garden that people say... Historians and theologians alike—that that was the what were the rivers, the the river in Egypt, the big one.
1: No, it wasn't the Nile. It was like the Tigris and the Euphrates.
0: The, that's in Egypt too, man.
1: That's not in Egypt.
0: Your mom's in Egypt. So, can people in find Asia. the Garden of Eden? So I don't think so, um, specifically because. If God wanted it to be found, that's up to him, and he's God, so sure. But when Adam and Eve left the garden, God established this angel with this sword of fire to protect the entrance. And so I think at that moment, it's kind of like, you, you know, you shall not pass. You don't get to be here anymore, not until we get to heaven. It's an interesting question. I've never considered it. What about you?
1: Oh, I was reading other cards. I forgot the question. <laughs>
0: Thanks for being present.
1: Sorry, yeah?
0: Uh, can humans find... No. The garden... I don't think so. The garden of Eden? Now I remember. Brooke says no. <laughs> so, all right. But it's, I think it'd make a cool movie. Have you ever given up on faith? If so, how did you lose it and how did you get it back? Yeah, uh, sort of. Not really, but kind of. Um, I went to India on a... A mission trip, but there was just two of us. It was me and my buddy Matt Shepard. And I went as, as his photographer slash videographer, and he was doing water well work over there, and I was going to go document it. And so we went to India, and India is a very dark place spiritually. Um, although, where isn't darkness? Um... Our last two days there, our last day there, we are way out in the south of India, miles and hundreds of miles from any major city, you know, and there was this town that we stopped in with this temple, and this temple was like, I think it was 1,500 years old, and it was like 12 stories high. It was kind of pyramid in shape, but much taller. And so we're like, let's go check that out. Like, I'm a photographer, I I want to go to there. And so we went there and it was funky. Like you've ever walked into a place and you're like, you just get the willies and you're like, there's something creepy here. Well, that was this temple. And it was an active temple. Like they still worshiped there, worshiped you know, one of the tens of thousands of gods that Indians worship. And as I'm there, um, it was a really surreal experience. Um, we went to like the fifth level in this temple and I didn't go in, but like about from me to the back curtain, there was this circle of men wearing little tunics and nothing else. And they had strange tattoos and it was just candlelight. And they were in a circle and they were chanting and they were swaying. And it was like, that is demonic. There's some crazy spooky stuff going down over there. Like you could just sense it. And it was super creepy. And there was another little like handmaiden kind of guy that was standing protecting these guys doing their creepy demon worship from tourists like myself, although there weren't many because we're like really remote. Like the tourists were like people from another town. And I'm looking at that and he has this red like ochre powder kind of stuff. And I give him one of my prayer cards, right? Because we don't speak the same language, and I'm like, you know, here you go, and I'm like, God bless you, because, you know, God, if he doesn't, you're going to hell. It was really creepy. I don't say that with judgment. They were worshiping demons. And he had this ochre, and he took some, and he put a line of it on my head. And I didn't want to insult him, and I don't know if it was right or wrong that I allowed him to do that, but they were worshiping demons, and he put this mark on me. When I got back out to the car, our guide, who is a Christian, saw that, and the look on his face was like mortification. And there's scriptures in the Bible that talk about the end times in Revelation, which we're gonna look at hopefully this fall, that says in the end times, the only way you're gonna be able to buy or sell anything is if you get this mark on your hand or your forehead. And he referenced that to me. And all of a sudden, and I think a lot of it was the residual, creepy, spiritual junk of that place, I became terrified that I had just allowed this priest to put the mark of the beast on me. And we drive hundreds of miles down these lonely roads back to one of the cities and the whole way, I'm just looking out the window and I'm like, I just like, I just gave up my faith. I just let this man make the mark of the devil on me. Like I'm going to hell and Jesus can't save me from this. And it really messed with me. And it messed with me for weeks afterwards. But over time, as I prayed about this, and believe me, I prayed a lot because I'm like, all of a sudden, God can't hear me and I am allowed this to happen and I didn't stand up for the Lord. It really messed with me. But I prayed a lot and I just felt like the Lord say, you think like a little smidge of powder can like stand between us? And you know that maybe you should have stood up for me a little more bold in your faith at that moment, but I forgive you. And that wasn't the thing from Revelation. That was something else. And I just felt as I prayed through that, that God was totally graceful and forgiving to me and that he has used that moment since that day happened to encourage me to pray for all the men and women that worship at that temple and specifically that little man. Um, I'm praying for him right now in my heart as I tell you this story. I remember his face so clearly like, Jesus, save that man. Um, I made it's arguable a mistake in that moment, but that mistake doesn't define me and it can never take away my salvation. That is too powerful for, for, for this. You want to add to that? Or have you ever had a moment like that?
1: I have. I won't go into a lot of detail though because we have a lot of questions. Um, I feel like when you lose your faith, it, it's always centered around something. Um, so like, it's never been like, oh, I have no faith, period. Period. Um, although I'm I'm sure that's possible. Um, for me, it was about a year ago, I lost faith in God being for me. Um, I realized that as I read scripture, that that didn't feel true to me anymore. Um, which like, I, I like to recommend that when you guys do read the Bible, um, to admit when something doesn't seem true. And tell God, hey, I I don't feel like this is true of me. Like, can you help me? Um, And God was really sweet. And he immediately was like, I am for you. And sometimes it's really quick like that. Sometimes you have to labor and seek and continue to pursue God for a while. Um, But I was really blessed to have it happen within a few minutes.
0: And I love that question, and I encourage you guys to remember it. If you're reading scripture and you're like, I just don't believe that that's fine. Tell the Lord that. Ask him about that. Why don't I believe that I have a spirit of boldness and power and self-discipline? Because there's probably something centered there. If you read a scripture and you don't understand it, just tell the Lord that and talk to him about it. Um, We'll do this one. It's already 1045, which means like what? We only have five minutes left before we're done?
1: All right. Let's go fast.
0: All right. Well, Yeah, but we got to wrap up. We still got a song and everything, man. Um, We're going to address some of these on Facebook and or Instagram. And Dwight, yeah, you guys can cruise on up here. How do we distinguish between what God is saying and what our thoughts are saying? What is the best way to know that he is speaking to us? You know, for me, I would say practice makes perfect. Keep talking to the Lord. Um,
1: but you'll never be perfect at it.
0: Yeah. I've heard greater men than me with longer faith walks and and just, you know, from a worldly perspective, deeper faith walks say that whenever they hear from the Lord, they're really only like 60% sure. I'll tell you this much. If you ever feel like you heard from the Lord and it's negative, if it's biting, if it's like horrible thoughts about yourself, that's not God's voice because that's not how God speaks. God speaks in a challenging way, an affirming way, a grace-filled way. If you come to the Lord with some horrible sin and you're talking to him about it and you just feel like forgiveness for yourself and you're like, oh God, that, that could never be for me. That's the Lord's voice, that's grace. What I would say is if what you feel like the Lord is saying agrees with scripture, truth, love, then you can be confident then you're probably hearing from the Lord We had a student just a couple weeks back when I said ask the Lord who you're supposed to forgive And after the service, I went to the back of the room and she came up to me and said I didn't hear anything. I'm like, oh, well Did you hear did you see anything? Did you imagine anything? She's like nothing And I just felt like maybe she did and I pressed and I was like when I asked who should you forgive? What did you think about and she said I thought about my mom and I said, well, what, do you feel like you need to forgive your mom? She's like, well, yeah, she left my family years ago, and I've never forgiven her. And I'm like, okay, so I asked you to open yourself up and ask the Lord for somebody to forgive. And your mom came to mind, who I would say is one of your most important relationships in life. And you think you didn't hear from the Lord? And we prayed right there on the spot. Um, I think one of the things that keeps us from knowing we heard from the Lord is really us. Like, expect him to speak expect good
1: and expect it right away if you ask him a question he's not going to just be like uh and think about it like he's going to tell you the answer um and and his answer will have hope and he will show you the way um and you won't know for sure though until afterwards um if the lord says something to you and it, it is fulfilled then you'll know
0: I'm going to read us two scriptures and we're going to respond in worship. And I hope this was enjoyable for you guys. Did you, you don't have to, if you didn't, but like, was this good for you guys? You guys enjoy this? All right, cool. We liked it. Thank you for the privilege of letting us. Um, In the spirit of what we've been doing here this morning, I do want to point you. And so does Brooke and our whole staff. our, Our goal is to point you to the Lord. So listen to these two verses and receive them. This is God talking to you this morning and here's what he has to say. Keep on asking. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If you need wisdom or answers, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will never rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Lord, you gave us curiosity and imagination and a sense of adventure. You gave us a desire to know the answers to mysteries in this world, in our lives, and you are full of mystery. May we be encouraged to go out from here and ask you good questions, to ask you with an expectation that you're going to answer. Lord, we love you and we love that you are a God that just is waiting for us to come to you, to sit with you and say, will you explain this to me? Will you talk to me? Thank you for the answers that you gave Brooke and I to the questions we gave today, and I pray that they were true and accurate and good. And I pray for the questions that didn't get answered or asked today. I say thank you for those, because we can just ask those questions to you today, and you will respond. Would you help us, Lord? As we go forth, we ask that you give us all spiritual wisdom and insight so that we might grow in our knowledge of you. We pray that our hearts will be flooded with light so that we can understand the confident hope that Jesus has given to us, his people. For we, all of us, are his rich and glorious inheritance. Lord, thank you that we get to ask and thank you that you have answered. And thank you for the word. All these questions, the answer is in the word. May we turn to it this summer like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys, let's respond in worship, in communion. And if you didn't get a blessed card last week, they're at the response stations, and you can grab one today.